One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. There is a house in New York that has been dubbed the House of Death. Despite its pretty brownstone exterior, the building at 14 West 10th Street in Greenwich Village has a not-so-nice history. Since being constructed in the 1850s, it's alleged that 22 people have died in the home, and some of their spirits seem to have never left. Residents have reported sightings of the spirit of Samuel Clemens, better known as Mark Twain, who lived at the address between 1900 and 1901, and other ghosts who seem to have haunted the building for over a century. Shuffling footsteps, a ghost cat, and a ghastly smell have been noted by many of the residents. Some of the newer residents have not been able to stay longer than a day, saying that their experience whilst in the house was too much for them. Something sinister and horrible resided there and it was just too frightening for them to stay. But that's not all. To top it all off, a ghastly murder occurred in the building in 1987, sealing the fate of this place as one of the most disturbing places in New York. Sounds intriguing? Let's find out more, shall we? Hi, my name's Renata. And I'm Anne, and we welcome you to this week's frightfully good episode of The True Hauntings Podcast. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hello, Anne. Hello, Renata. Oh, boy, we are recording this on a Friday morning, and this evening we are heading into the deep dark bowels of Maitland Jail. Oh, God, I was wondering where you were heading off to then. I thought, I'm just going to Maitland Jail. You're going to someone's bowels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we are going to be there 
all night. We do. We've actually got two tours back to back. Yes, we've got. We're, yep, we've got two tours back to back tonight, and then we're heading out for another tour tomorrow. Ooh. And it's probably the coldest weekend of the year. Yes, our mm. nipples will freeze off. Yes. Renata's just rolled her eyes at yes. me because I've said the word nipples very oh. early in the show. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it is going to be freezing cold, but also very, very exciting. We've got a lot of very excited people coming tonight for the first sleepover that we have. It's not, not, a, sleepover. not a sleepover. Don't it's say that word. All-nighter. It's an all-nighter. And it's the first all-nighter that we have done in, what, over two years? Yes. Well, be three years almost. Yes. Because Oh, no, be two years, because I think we snuck one in this time two years ago, just in between lockdowns. Mm. And it locked down the next day because I remember poor old Michelle was trying to race home in the car to get home before <laughs> she got in trouble. Yes, yes. Um, and it's just, yeah. So everyone has been waiting for this long extended uh, Maitland Jail evening tonight. And it sold out so quickly. It did. And we've got some really interesting new experiments and things to try. So it's going to be a fabulous night. Yes. And we might even do a live cross. So if you pop over onto YouTube uh, and check out our YouTube channel, Anne and Renata, uh, Frightfully Good. Uh, I'm trying to get rid of the ghost grannies off there, but it should have Frightfully Good there somewhere. Uh, you will be able to hopefully see that live cross that we're going to do during the evening. Mm. And please also join us on TikTok because... We love TikTok. I'm giving that a big crack. <laughs> and I'm trying to post some things up there. And I'm so leaving I'm, that to Renata's yeah, big crack. I'm, 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 I'm madly trying to teach myself how to improve TikTok so that um, I have a stack of little videos that we've created um, over the years um, from all of our tours and uh, explorations. We've, we've become subscriber whores, I do believe. And, yeah, and um, trying to put all of that up. To TikTok, so I would appreciate you jumping on TikTok and becoming a subscriber there. And, and it costs uh, you nothing, guys. It does. It's it a costs, freebie. It costs you nothing to yeah support us there. So um, yes. And um, oh, how's your grandbaby going? Oh, grandbaby's beautiful. He is gorgeous. Perfect in every way. Perfect in every way. <gasps> ah, reality will kick in soon. That's mm. okay. <laughs> now you have done a little bit of work on this particular subject that we are looking at tonight. This um, house of death. Yeah. Before, so it's going to be really interesting what you come up with. But I only did a really brief little look at it last time because it was in one of our. Um, shows where we do little like the ABC of Paranormal mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it was that we were doing. I, I can't remember where because I couldn't find it. Uh, but I have dug deep now and I found gold. I do like it when I find gold. Mm-hmm. But my head is now struggling with Hans Holzer. Why? Because... Spit it out. Come on. The more he gets involved with, the more I'm struggling with his stance on some of these things. His methodology? Yes, yes. He uses seance a lot. He does. I love it. He does. Um, But how how can you trust? I'm struggling, yeah. The information coming through on a seance. Is the medium being biased by something else? Have they uh, maybe dug around for some information so they're right because Mm -hmm. they do like to be right? Or is it a true paranormal experience? Mm -hmm. Well, let's dig down and find out. Yep, let's go into this story. 
The following week, Jake went down on her hands and knees in the long hall and began scrubbing the baseboards. I was in the tower room studying the apartment listings when I heard her muttering quite loudly as though haranguing someone. Upon going to investigate, I found her standing, hands on hips, a fierce scowl crimping her features. Are you talking to yourself, Jake? No, ma'am. I's talking to the cat. Cat? What cat? I demanded wildly. You know perfectly we only have a dog. She and Contessa, the dog, had made friends at once. I wonder if she had suddenly lost her mind. I knows a cat when I sees one, and you got a great cat. She said with maddening deliberateness. A great cat, and it's just scoot by me in the bathroom. I ran into the bathroom and breathlessly stepped on the light. Jake had already cleaned in there. It was immaculate, and except for myself, quite empty. My own experience in the hall, where something had brushed past my bare foot, came vividly to life again. The exterminator had stoutly maintained there were no rats in the building, and certainly none in my apartment. Jake, are you sure? I inquired urgently. Her liquorish face shone with the polish of arrogance, and I saw an intensity in her eyes not unlike that so often in Contessa's. I ain't got the Injun blood for nothing, she stated proudly. We uns in touch with things you white folk too blind to see. But the cat, I gasped. It ain't nothing. Just a little old spirit cat. He ain't fixin' to do you no harm. Good God! How many ghosts did we have? There was something that smelled rank, something that smelled fragrant and rustled as it walked, and now there was a grey cat. To live with the living was hard enough, but to live with the dead, who somehow still lived, was harrowing. All at once... Above the sibilance of the fire, the lament of the rain, there was a drawn-out, high-pitched moan vibrating hideously through the room. It had a hard, choked sound to it, as though the larynx from which it came was too constricted to allow full passage. It came again, then changed into a series of horrible, strangulated gurglings both jumped at the same instant. I was the first to realise the sounds were issuing from Tessa, the dog, and ran to her, thinking she was choking on a splinter of bone. But it was not the bone lodged in her throat. It was terror. Stark, blood-curdling terror, having risen to her haunches, every hair on her head and neck stood rigidly erect like the crest of a, a Roman warrior's helmet. From both sides of her pouched jowls there hung two thick ropes of saliva. Fred reached us in time to see her eyes straining out of their sockets to follow the progress of something or someone who was passing on the other side of the arch. With us beside her, she seemed to garner courage. Wearily, step by step, she led us through the archway and over the, to the reclaimer. And with the final... As with the blue fantail chair, she sniffed at every inch of it, one front paw raised and trembling. 
then, with one of her oddly penetrating looks, she began backing away. Not for one instant, not even when she was safely through the arch, did she take her eye from the reclaimer. We were left staring at a seemingly unoccupied daybed. A sour trickle of vomit had backed into my throat. I swallowed it and felt my insides heave. In a voice so controlled, I was amazed at the calm sound of it. I said, Now, do you believe me? Fred was fumbling with a pack of cigarettes. When he tried to light one, the match fell from his fingers and started to smolder on the rug. I stamped it out, that vein of cool practicality. Then my calm cracked. I was in a vortex, being sucked into the very heart of the spin when there was something that stank and yet smelled sweet and was cold, colder than the river of an ice sheet, something indescribable, unnameable, unspeakable. With both hands, I reached out and grabbed Fred's shirt at the shoulders. There was a sharp splitting sound as the fabric tore from under me. Do you believe me now, I screeched. Do you? Do you? He stood, turning his head from side to side, as though there were hidden springs in his neck, which once activated could not stop. Holy smoke! I never saw anything like it, he wheezed. Never! Nobody would believe me. So help me! So help us, I said falteringly. The vortex was beginning to recede, leaving me dizzy and weak, like a shipwreck cast up on an alien shore. Slowly, my sense of control seeped back, and with it, perception. Wow, Anne. I would have gone through a whole bowl of popcorn listening to that. <laughs> oh, you. I, I sort of looked at your face and I thought, oh, have I done something to upset her? She's just looking at me blankly with this, this, this sort of... I wanted more. Oh, okay. That might be the best bit of the whole thing today. <laughs> oh, I don't okay. know. But, hey, maybe we should actually do something like that. Maybe these guys would like us to do some, some ghost stories and things like that. We'll pop them up on YouTube and you can see our faces yes, as well. Midnight Beautiful. Mysteries. Oh, Oh, I think we've got a name. Midnight Mysteries with oh. Anne and Renata. Look out for Midnight Mysteries with Anne and Renata coming soon. Mm. <laughs> now, this is one that I put up to you. Yeah. Um, not knowing that you'd already done a little bit of work on this one um, previously for uh, another thing that we did. Um, because it sounded really interesting um, as I was going through the information. And it's actually from a book called Spindrift. Yes. By Jan Bartell, someone or other. I will find that. I wrote mm-hmm. it down. I've dropped it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it's, again, one of those things where you go, okay, so someone's had an experience. Um, they've written a book because they're an author. Mm-hmm. Um, so do the legends and the myths now come because of the book? Or did all of that and more happen 
So that that was the reason the book was written in the first place. Yes, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Yes, because we have this story that there are allegedly 22 ghosts that reside in this building. But I have looked far and wide. And oh, no, no, you I've, came I've, into my stories. I'll no, be no, smacking I've, you. I've looked far and wide, and um, let's just say I haven't come up with 22. No, me neither, but that's okay. That's part of my yeah, story. Back yeah, off. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there is also a story about this place being cursed <laughs> because of the alleged things that have occurred within this brownstone's walls. Yes. So, again, we have a curse that seems to be afflicting people over the years. Let's layer it in. And, yeah, uh, the only thing we need is a monk now. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the monk monk, in the black robe? uh, A monk in a black robe. Maybe a nun? A nun, yes. Um, Lady in a Victorian dress? um, We got that. Oh, do we? We got that. I can't remember now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of ticking the boxes, and we have a very well-known paranormal investigator that is involved in this one as well, which... I did not know about until um, you kind of mentioned it and I went, oh, I need to have a look and then all of this started to come up. Well, in my segment when I go into it, they talked about um, a paranormal investigator coming into it Um, and I, I still haven't made the link of whether there is two, whether there is somebody who came in as a medium uh, who they're calling a paranormal investigator or whether it was Hans Holzer. There, it was Hans Holzer and a medium. Right. Yeah. Well, I've got that. Yeah. But I wanted to know whether there was two different occurrences. Anyway, ah, that's my part of the story. Right. Let's, yes. let's, let's dig into a little bit of the history yes. of the location. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where things are going to get all over the place again because none of this has clarity <laughs> in a lot of these stories it's it's little bits of information that you find everywhere and you're trying to piece it all together and make it make it have a flow and sometimes it doesn't uh, which is a kind of an issue here as well because I was trying to dig into when all of this began when did it all start for this particular building uh, and I'm going to go back and say yes there seems to be a curse uh, on the building we I'm not quite sure when that curse started there is one thing we haven't ticked with the box is there a native american burial ground there oh no see you've missed that one no but it's greenwich (laughs) greenwich village and i think greenwich village has an association with the indigenous Mm -hmm. um indians so Mm -hmm. there could well be there could well be um but okay so this is number 14 uh west whatever street it is West Tenth uh, Street, West Tenth Street on Fifth um, Avenue. Oh my God! I know. <laughs> can't, I... can't they just call, have a simple name for these things? <laughs> uh, and um, it's a classic brownstone, uh, and the name is because of the colour of the stones. Oh, surprise! Uh, surprise! <laughs> and when we hear about these brownstone buildings, um, you've got a. a, a I guess if you're you're not um, from that area, it might sound funny the the whole brownstone thing. But uh, it's often mentioned in uh, series that are shown on TV uh, when they are actually filmed in these buildings. And if you go to the um, newest Sherlock Holmes, uh, he's in a brownstone. And um, in England? No, in Australia. In sorry, <laughs> in, in America. He's in a brownstone Hang building. Hang on, which, which Sherlock Holmes? There's a Sherlock Holmes um, 
uh, that was a TV sort of a, a TV uh, oh, series. So we're, 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 are we talking Benedict Cumberbun? No, oh, right, no, different one. No, different one. Um, he's Cumbersnatch. What's his no. name? <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> um, and also another brownstone that seems to be sort of linked, so you get an idea why they sort of are talking about brownstones and they're being quite historic, is um, the ladies from the, uh, what was that show? They talked about sex, sex in the city. Oh, sex yes. in the city. I never really got into that. Yeah. Oh, I did. Oh, did good. you? Yeah, it was good fun. Um, so this is a building that was built around the 1850s, right before the Civil War, and it's in an area around Washington Square. And at that time, uh, these buildings and a sale of hose, ha- ha- houses, H- hose houses was booming. So it was originally one building, and then it was split into 10 different apartments. Now, there have been a series of famous and infamous people living there and people who are nondescript. No one talks about them because... They're just they're ordinary just people. Ordinary people. Like us, Renata. That's, that's right. That's right. But it seems that it all kind of began with one incident and that incident, and I'm not going to really tell you anything more about the house because there isn't any more about the house. Yeah, it's about the people that lived in it. Yeah. Other than that, it's Greenwich Village. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to dig through all of that history, go right ahead. For me, I just went, oh, no, too much. (laughs) So we're going to start with an unfortunate incident uh, that involves a gentleman called Fred Andrew. Fred Andrew lived in um, this particular house, and he was a well-known cyclist from the 1800s. And this was the first um, uh, sort of thing that happened yeah, real incident that, that they seem to um, point to yeah they, they do talk about some famous or, or rich family that was in there to do with the railways I think it yes, was yes uh, but they moved in there after mm-hmm. their uh, father died so it wasn't that or the husband it wasn't while they were in the house mm. yes and so this event took place uh, on August the 9th, 1897, and Andrew was out cycling and he struck a young boy. The boy broke his leg in the collision and Andrew was arrested for reckless behaviour. I tried to find some information about this Fred Andrew, really couldn't yeah. get too much about it. Tried to find out information about the incident, really couldn't get too much about that. But for whatever reason, this must have caused a real kerfuffle because they seem to point, like you said, to this as being one of those extraordinary things that seems to start a uh, a whirlwind it's of the series of stuff. bad luck yep now this the, the, the event was recorded in in an issue of the new york times and it seems to be the starting point for the house having a negative effect well, it must on have some been of its residents. Pretty bad for um uh, for it to make the newspaper. Yeah. Because you imagine that like kids running out in front of bikes would happen all the time. I mean, I know that I ran into someone on a bike when I was going on the breakwater. I was probably about nine, eight, eight, nine years old. I used yeah. to love riding my bike down the breakwater, and I had no concept of 
spatial awareness around me and other people. Mm. And I went bolting there. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know why, but now it seems to be coming to the surface for a reason. Mm -hmm. My stories. And um, I was riding the bike with the wind through my hair and loving the sea breeze and the sun shining my skin. And all of a sudden, a kid that was out walking on the the breakwater with the family ran in front of me Mm. and I collected them and I went arse over as well and crashed to the ground and the father went for me he started abusing me and carrying on I shouldn't be riding like that on the breakwater how dare I and in the meantime I'm lying there hurt and in Mm -hmm. tears myself and I had some other people come to my rescue and say lay off her she's just had an accident too your kid ran in front of her Mm. so back off and that was some memory from ages ago why has it come to the surface now Mm. interesting maybe it's because of the bike riding accident here Mm. so I just thought I'd share a little Auntie Anne story with you hope you enjoyed that Mm -hmm. didn't involve any parts of the human anatomy below clothing (laughs) thank you yeah anytime now I went looking for the next link um, in the chain of events, let's say that. And uh, I then ran across the allegedly most famous resident of 14 West 10th Street. Bob Smith. And that was Mark Twain. And he literally was there for under a year. Yeah. Yeah. There is a historical marker on the building that tells you that Mark Twain was here. Yeah. Uh, And during his time at the home, Twain virtually did nothing but write. He he was desperate for money. He was close to bankruptcy. Um, He was in and out of depression because he had financial struggles. And... Twain wrote of a possible paranormal experience during his time at the home. And oh, Samuel Clemens, that's right, because he wasn't known as yeah. Mark Twain. He was known as yeah, Samuel and, Clemens back then. And, the, yeah, he took this name of Samuel Clemens. And when he, when you kind of read about um, some of the things that he was supposed to say, it's... It really doesn't sound like Mark Twain, but never mind. Mm. Never mind. That's that's for people to work out for themselves, I guess. The thing is that Mark Twain didn't die in the building. Um, he moved after about a year just down the road, and he died uh, in another state. Um, but he, for some odd reason, his, residu- his residual spirit yes. seems to reside in this building. Of course. Yeah. It's a bit like Count Dracula in Romania. He's been everywhere, mm. that, that brandy... What's his name? Brandy Impaler? I can't remember. The Inhaler? Vla- Vlad. 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 Bra- Brands the castle. Oh, my <laughs> Lord, I need another coffee. Yes. <clears throat> so, you know the story about Mark Twain and what happened to him? You've got that in your... I've got his ghost story. All right. Yeah. Okay. So then we go to 1931. So there's about a 20-year gap. And that's when we get Elizabeth Bullock, um, who was hit by a car in Greenwich Village and died shortly afterwards in a neighbourhood drugstore. Um, the witnesses had taken her for medical attention. She was cremated and the ashes were given to a friend who lived in the boarding house in the same area. Now, 17 years later, Harvey Slayton and his wife, Yeffie Kimball, moved into the old boarding house and they continued to hear footsteps hammering, banging um, throughout the upper floors. They called Hans Holzer um, to get some information about what was going on. And uh, he recorded 
uh, everything that they were saying about it. Um, and uh, apparently, while the renovations were happening, a carpenter found Bullock's ashes in a canister in the attic. Oh. Um, obviously, they were left behind, and the couple decided <coughs> to display the canister in the riv- living room. That's odd. Yeah. Oh, well, it settled things down. Okay. He was given a little bit of uh, um, honour. Hmm. Yeah. So the home and its space was occupied on and off for a number of years. So there were people in it, not in it, so on. And then um, I looked up a site uh, called untappedcities.com and uh, it told me there that the building was converted from a single family home into apartments in 1937. So uh, it was obviously uh, too big and too expensive for one family to purchase, yep. one person to buy. So they converted into smaller apartments. Or somebody it, saw an opportunity to make yeah, money. Yep. And the uh, the need for housing in the area, especially Greenwich Village, was becoming like incredibly stupid because it started to be the place to be. Yeah, Bohemians, like everyone, you know, wanted to be there. It was this cultural um, place uh, for artists and creatives and all of that. Um, and in 1957, there was a former actress called Jane Jan Bryant Bartell and her husband. They moved into the top floor of the apartment. Now, when it was still a home, that is where the servants' quarters used to be. So that might have something to do with what happened to Jane, Jan. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know. Don't know. I've got some more information on her. Yeah. She herself was a little bit of an interesting person. She was an actress. She was a writer. But she kind of really thought she had psychic skills as well, mm-hmm. psychic powers. So she may have tapped into the energy of the home. Um It may have been truly something that she had experienced, but let's remember she was a writer too. And so what part of the story remains as true and what part of the story has been fluffed for extra? Oh, no, authors don't fluff stories to make a better story, do they? We don't know. Now, they were – and Jen apparently – had some experiences that really shocked her and she did get to a point fairly early on after they moved in where she kind of said to her husband, I can't stay here. There are, there are things going on and it's just too horrifying. I can't do it. But because it was so hard to find housing in the area, they decided that they would just keep going and um, just get through and stay a little while longer and see if things were settled down. They called in a medium and thought that maybe a medium would again help them work out who this spirit was and settle everything down. But the medium then said, this house is haunted by 22 spirits. Of course, that's going to help the situation, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Trying to help yeah. poor old Jan and hubby. And yeah. oh, oh, no, you've got a you've few got more. You've 22. Than, it's yeah, okay. You only know about three. Yes. What about the rest? See you later. Now, the medium tried to help, allegedly, but appeared to become possessed by a spirit See, who this is refused. where the stories are going to yeah. contradict you. And I think there's two separate incidents. Mm. Sorry, keep going. That's yeah. really good info. Yeah. The, it, 
the medium in in this particular story here, or this p- piece of information that I found, she appeared to get possessed by the spirit who wouldn't leave, uh, and the, so that caused some issues because of the information coming through, um, and the couple ended up moving because it was just too much. But in between all of this, Jan goes, this is too good not to tell a story about. I I might be able to write a book about this. So she started to record everything that went on. Right. A journal. A journal. Which then became a book. Which then became a book called Spindrift, Spray from a Psychic Sea. Mm. Interesting Interesting. title, isn't it? Yes. Spray. It sounds like spittle. Yeah. Yeah. So Bartel died in 1973. Uh, And, of course... Believers will attribute that to the cursed yes. house as yes, well. I've got a little bit on that too. Mm-hmm. Now, the last resident really worth mentioning in this whole story is uh, a gentleman by the name of Joel Steinberg. And uh, there's a little bit of a trigger warning that I have to put in here because uh, I am going to talk about child abuse here. Uh, mention it in this story because it does happen. Uh, and so if it is something that um, may worry you to hear about, and just letting you know. Um, try to not go into detail, but... Yep, it does mention child abuse. Now, this kind of has nothing to do with the ghostly stuff. Um, I didn't find any ghostly stories associated with him and the family, but it may have left residual stuff. I found one. Okay, well, I'm going to let you talk about that then. So Steinberg lived in the home in the 80s with his wife, Hedda Nussbaum, and their daughter, Lisa Nussbaum, and son, Mitchell Steinberg. Now, on November the 2nd, 1987, Hedda called 911 after finding little Lisa unbreathing on the kitchen floor. Unbreathing? Unbreathing. Passed would, over, dead. Unbreathing would be not breathing? Not breathing. I've right. never heard it called unbreathing. Well, there you go. Thank you for introducing a new term to mm. us. So I've when the authorities new. arrived, Lisa was found naked on the kitchen floor. Mm. Mitchell was in his playpen with a dirty nappy. And apparently in some of the accounts, he was kind of tied into yeah, the playpen. Yeah, I heard that too. Mm. Hedda was covered in bruises from um, the top of her head to to her. Everything. You know, yeah. And there was an insane amount of drugs to be found everywhere, including pot, cocaine, crack pipes, everything. Um, apparently, Steinberg indulged a little bit. A lot. Just a little bit with that much stuff around? Yes. God, yeah, I'd be terrified. The kids would get... I'm, I freak out now, even having like ibuprofen or Panadols or anything around the house. I'd... I'd because I've got a little granddaughter, mm. and I'm terrified that she'll get into that sort of stuff. I lock up all my medications. Yes. And I've got to keep some away from Renata too. Honest to God, she's in there. <laughs> now, Lisa was six years old. She was taken to the nearby hospital, but unfortunately she would never regain consciousness. She was still unbreathing. Yeah. Um, she was taken off life support uh, a few days later. Oh. Now, her cause of death was ruled as a blunt force trauma to the head. Yes. Uh, and later on from information that I read, they said it was some sort of a rubber mallet, rubber-headed oh. mallet or something. So awful. I'm not scared of ghosts. I'm scared of humans. Yeah. 
So the further investigation, and this was, again, one of those things that was plastered all over the newspapers, um, and this is where things get really complicated in these stories, and all we need to look at now is the um, story that is has been in everyone's face at the moment, um, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Oh, who? Yes. Haven't heard of them. Mm. And it, it kind of came to light that Joel was an abuser, and he abused his husband, his daughter, and his son. Uh, and they kind of say that Lisa's murder came from a cocaine binge. So he got high and he lost his shit and uh, went for the whole family. Yeah, and depending on it's what probably sto- hallucinating. Where, depending on what story you read uh, and what information you're garnering, there are a lot of changes when it comes to uh, the events of what happened. So. Th- the next thing, and we just go a little bit deeper into this story, is that Lisa was allegedly adopted by Hedda and Joel after her biological mother paid Joel to find Lisa an adoptive family. Right. Uh, Mitchell was also illegally adopted, and Hedda agreed to testify against Joel in exchange for charges against her being dropped. Now, Joel was convicted of second-degree manslaughter, but in some references it said first degree, and he was thrown into jail um, for about 25 years. Yes, I I read one article where I think they might have put a few extra numbers in and it was like 2,054 years and I went, "Mm, I think somebody's had a typo there. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And then, you know, when you look uh, into more detail, because this was one of those rabbit holes you went down, um, the whole story kind of went through to who was behind all of this? uh, What was Hedda's part in this? uh, Did she kind of stand by and let all of this happen? happen? Uh, Was she abused to a point where she was psychologically damaged? All of this sort of stuff. Um, In the end, this horrible thing happened. This horrible, horrible thing happened in this house. So again, we have what seems to be a cursed story of another set of residents in this house. So I, I guess we come down to this thing of, are there really 22 ghosts that haunt the place? Um, as Bartell's medium once claimed. It's never been confirmed that 22 people died in the building, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. If yeah. if over the years people moved in and out... Well, it's 170 years old yeah, there. It could have had that many deaths or even more. The problem is we can't find the evidence to say that Mm. that many people died. Now, there's a blogger by the name of Tim Miller, and he wrote about this in Daytonian um, in the Manhattan magazine. And he says, A score of residents dying over the course of 160 years in any residence would be expected, especially considering that wealthy Victorians and Edwardians normally received medical treatment at home rather than a hospital. So... That's interesting. Yeah. They they could not have gone to hospital because maybe they Pardon couldn't you. maybe they couldn't <laughs> afford to be in hospital or it was not the thing to do. Yeah. So they died within the residence. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with anything nefarious and terrible. No, people die. They just died. And people are born in their houses as well. Yep. So I kind of have to leave it there because I really couldn't find anything terribly interesting about the Brownstone house itself. It was only really the resident stories that kind of had this sense of spooky ookiness. And you had to go digging to find the big stories and there could have been 
like years and gaps in between. So let's go to the ghost stories and let's see what you found out. And I'm interested to find out Hans Holse's whole spin on this. Oh, you wait. I've got some juicy ones. So I'm going to go right back to the first ghost story that uh, we have been able to find. So the first one that is mentioned uh, in relation to this location is the Mark Twain one, the Samuel Clemens. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So he was a skeptic apparently, but... He had a paranormal experience in there, mm-hmm. which he, he wrote about. Uh, so apparently one evening he witnessed a large piece of wood kindling move in the air all by itself. I mm-hmm. mm-hmm. wonder how far off the ground it was. And I'd love more information of, of exactly what that experience was. Mm-hmm. Now, he thought that the wood was... Yeah, logical mind kicks in. It must be moved by a rat. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you think that you've got a piece of wood? Oh, Satan's knocking at our door. <laughs> I do believe he's coming for us. Please excuse the uh, the banging that's going on. I have the absolute joy at the moment to have renovations going both sides of our houses that are very close together. So I'm just going to share that joy with all of you guys. Um, so anyway, back to my story. <gasps> What do you do when you see a piece of wood moving through the air by itself? You shoot it. You shoot it with a gun because mm-hmm. you are in America. <laughs> so if you're in any doubt whatsoever, shoot that bugger. So that's what he did. And the piece of wood fell to the floor. No dead rodent around, but a few drops of blood. I know. I read that and I went, that's really interesting. That's weird. That is very now, weird. Now, they've always said that there's no infestation in the house of rats. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had many exterminators come through, but 
there were more rats than people in New York yes. around those times. So I I think he could have been on the money, but it makes a better ghost story, doesn't it? Does. It does, it does. So um, now, as you also said, he has now been seen mm-hmm. lingering in the house. Mm-hmm. After only one year of residence, but Mm -hmm. he was going through a time of depression. He was having a really rough time and he was trying to write up as many books as he can to make money. Mm -hmm. A little frantic and desperate. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that feels like. Uh, (laughs) She's going to give me the look. Um, So... Uh, he is quite often seen in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been many sightings from various occupants. He's seen trudging up and down the stairs. Uh, but the stairs in that location are considered to mo- to be the most haunted part of the whole house. And I've got a theory with that. I think it's because there's been a lot of renovations. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe those stairs have gone up through different apartments and things. Anyway. Ah, um, and he's seen in his signature white, white suit. suit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was seen by a um, new resident, mother and daughter, bumped into him. He was perched on a window seat and he nonchal- nonchalantly said to them, oh, pardon me, <laughs> my name is Clemens and I has a problem here. I gotta settle. So I'll do that properly now. I has I has a problem here. I gotta settle. So it sounds like he's got unfinished business. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I mean, I don't know how Mark Twain talked, but it it doesn't seem to me to be something Mark Twain would say. Yeah, because he he writes very eloquently. That's in his right. Book. But he did also have the 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 slang or the the words of the Mississippi down pretty good as well. Mm. Uh, so maybe he was just, you know. Yeah, maybe, yeah. When we put on voices and say funny things. Uh, but he disappeared into thin air. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody else has accredited him with the disembodied marching sounds that have been heard everywhere in the vacated parts of the house. Marching sounds. Marching. All right. Jump. I don't think it's a marching band. Mm -hmm. It's marching sounds, like stomping. But Mm -hmm. marching has... Oh, 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 geez, that that was a big one. Went right through my chair. (laughs) Oh, this is not even my house, people. This is around me. (laughs) Um, So we don't know what it was that has left him um, discombobulated, but there you go. Now, um... I'm I'm going to skip now over to Jane uh, Jane we could call her Jane I know Bryant Bartell who um, took up residency in the apartments now it actually said in my notes her daughter but I think it was her husband I am sure it's her husband mm-hmm. uh, she this is in 1957 she was a famous actress psychic and writer now I looked up IMDb mm-hmm. to find out what. She was as mm-hmm. a, a famous actress. Mm-hmm. Now, IMD is the International Movie Database, mm-hmm. and I could find nothing. Mm-hmm. That's so, famous. Um, and they do go back a long way. So I think someone is using that term very loosely. She also was not a famous psychic, and she has written some books, but she wasn't famous for it. Mm. So mm. Uh, I I don't like using the word famous. She, like me, I've been an actress, mm-hmm. but I'm not famous. Mm-hmm. I've done some work. 
So anyway, she reported that there was a monstrous moving shadow would follow her around the house. She'd see the ghostly figure of a man standing in the hall and she reached out to try and touch them, but it uh, disappeared and she said it felt like a substance without substance, chilly, damp, diaphanous as marsh mist or a cloud of ether. I could feel my fingers freeze at the tips. They were numb, and yet they tingled. In the split second between contact and recoil, the scent came, fragile and languorous, and sweet, unbearably, cloyingly sweet. That's very wordy to me. Yeah. I Look, I read some of the book. I didn't particularly like it. It's... <laughs> Very over-the-top flamboyant. It's like she's tried to find every word possible. What do we call it? Descriptive words, is it? Adjectives. She's got her thesaurus out and she has got every freaking word she can find. She's milking it. She is milking it. (sighs) So... she goes on that uh, the family reported uh, during their time there that food not purchased by them and already rotting as if it had been sitting around for days would suddenly appear at the table. Their small animals would also become aggressive for no reason mm-hmm. as if disturbed by invisible enemies in the building. Mm. Uh, now, this is where she goes on. That she, she was a true believer. Now, I read somewhere else that she was a skeptic before she came into the building, I don't think she was. No. I think she was a true believer. So this is where she got a paranormal expert in to uh, work out what was causing the terrifying realities for the scared residents. Uh, And the investigator confirmed what the couple believed from the start. Mm -hmm. So it's a confirmation bias. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They got the answer they wanted. I wonder mm-hmm. how many investigators they went through till they got that. The investigator proclaimed that they were up to of 22 spirits in the house of death. Mm-hmm. So this is one person mm-hmm. that has declared... That there are 22 spirits. And they've taken that as gospel. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Gets under my, my mm-hmm. ghoulies. Anyway, mm-hmm. not that I've got ghoulies, but uh, the... The, the, this is another little quote I found from someone else, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Bartell and her husband called a paranormal expert and a medium. Mm-hmm. So now we've got two. So that to me is Hans Holzer and a medium. Mm-hmm. The medium felt something or many things dead under the floorboards, possibly a young girl, an aborted child, yeah. and a small grey cat. <sighs> mm-hmm. After unsuccessfully cleansing the home of any nasty spirits, the couple left the home. Now, that's very different to... Because I have Hans Holtz's book called Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a very different description to what is in the book, which I'm going to read to you guys. Uh, oh, yes, there we go. Uh, now, I'm, I will go into more on this in a minute, but I want to go through the rest of the ghosts yep, yep. that are reported. Yep. Uh, there is um, a woman in a white dress, Yeah. a young girl and a grey cat. So is it because the medium has said that, that people are now seeing that or they're assuming that activity is related to that? Or is that what other people have seen? Uh, now, let me find the one about the little girl because I really did have to dig um, some of this has come from newyorkghosts.com the house of death uh, oh right to this day this comes from Fright Find to this day 
The floor on which they stayed occasionally is known to have a flicker of lights going on and off at very odd times, a possible cry for help from the young Lisa spirit even after all these years. Mm -hmm. That is the only thing I found in relation to that child spirit. And for me, that was the most traumatic thing that really happened in that building. And if there was going to be any ghosts, I would think it would be that. Mm Mm-hmm. And that goes to the 1980s. Yeah, 1980s. Yeah, 87 or something I think it was that we said. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, there is also, I'm going to go back to Spindrift now, the the novel. Uh Uh, We talk about uh, what she has written in this book. And this is off the jacket. Like a game of ten little Indians, deaths began to occur in the house. The first to die was a dog, Jan's own beloved Penelope. But within 24 hours, she was to learn of the death of the first human tenant. Whether by heart attacks, suicide or murder, the deaths came in rapid succession. In terror, with nine little Indians gone, the Bartels moved far away from Greenwich Greenwich Village, but the haunting followed them. After the completion of Spindrift, Jan Bartell became the tenth. Mm. Where did these ten little Indians come from? It's a kind of a saying that she had. Um, so she's really talking about ten ghosts there then. Yes. Her being the tenth. But is, is that, that during the time she was there? Because she was talking about the first tenant. The first tenant's going to go back to the 1800s. Yes. So I'm really confused, and I think I might have a little bit of an insight okay. into this confusion. Uh, let me get over into that piece of page. My fingers are so cold, I can't move the pages. So um, it's, uh, in this article I found called ParanormalOrigins.com, The House of Death, this lady... Um, said that despite claiming to be an actress, composer, and sometimes author, Bartell seems to have spent most of her time decorating and puttering around the apartment. Seems to me like Batty Housewife Syndrome. (gasps) BHS. She's given it a BHS as an acronym, as they call it. She was apparently mentally unstable in real life, and her writing certainly brings this across. It does. And that's what I found too. Yeah. It was like ravings. Yeah. Um, it's written in a strangely disjointed style with awkward flourishes, odd imagery, unfathomable terms of phrase. For example, I was in a state of deferred feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, weird prose like I was face to face with the unseen. Mm-hmm. How can you be face-to-face with it if you can't see it? Uh, And lots of exclamation points. Oh, I do that. Mm -hmm. I put exclamation points everywhere. It's my little signature. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, she said, far from me to be to diagnose, but her descriptions of sluggishness followed by dazzling bursts of creativity sound a wee bit manic depressive. Mm. Then we go on to her um, talk about the... Ten little Indians, and mm-hmm. she's found these nine. She hasn't got her tenth, has she? Well, she makes a tenth. No, hang on, hang on, hang okay. on. Okay, don't don't jump to conclusions here. Okay. Um. So 
to me, it's looking like mental health is an issue here. Mm-hmm. Has she written the book? Because she, she says her husband doesn't believe her. Has she written the book to tell the world, this is happening to me, this is real, and by writing it so flamboyantly, it makes it real? Mm-hmm. Um, to anyone that's reading that book, they're going to think that these things really, truly happened to this lady and the place is really haunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it could be delusion. It could be. It could be. Mm-hmm. Now, she's created these nine little Indians and to fulfill her tenth, she needs another death. Mm-hmm. It is believed she committed suicide. Right. Has she committed suicide to complete her prediction of the Ten Little Indians. And she died once the book was written and before it was published. It was in that gap. Mm. So... That's a bit terrible. It is. And that that actually is very, very distressing. Yeah. But what I'd like to do now... And then we've got to put into context too... um, Mark Twain and the fact that while he was there, he was also suffering from depression. Now, is it something to do with the actual building that is causing these uh, altered states of health? Mm -hmm. Has it been built with something that is actually making people unwell? Mm. Or people who may have had uh, the weakness in that area Mm -hmm. that it triggers them? Mm. Is it supernatural Mm -hmm. or is it physical? Mm. But now I've got to get on to Hans Holzer. So Hans Holzer has actually come up with a completely different ghost to what's going on. And it's a really like a super sleuth um, uh, way he's put it all together. So this is from the book Ghost, True Encounters with the World Beyond by Hans Holter. And he's got all these case files, and it's fascinating. I've, I've not read the whole thing. I'm going to tell you now. It's as thick as it's, a brick. It's it's thicker than... The, yeah, anyway. Uh, so he says that back in... Uh, he, uh, he was called to... Hang on, I've got to find... Uh, he he saw The Ghost of 10th Street by Elizabeth Archer, well-documented report of hauntings that celebrated Greenwich Village Street, where artists made their headquarters and many buildings date back to the 18th century. So we know that this building was made into apartments yeah. for artists and arty types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got writers, painters, actors mm-hmm. all in there. So, he's saying that the last report was of an apparition of a, an artist called John Lafarge, who died in 1910. Now, up to this stage, in everything I've read online... Never heard of him. Never heard of him. And yet, if he was the psychic, the paranormal investigator and the medium called, why has none of this come up in any of the notes anywhere else? It's, I'm discombobulated. So a few houses down the uh, uh, they're talking about a few houses down the street was a place called the Church of the Ascension, and there was an altar painting, the Ascension, and uh, in this uh, church there was this artwork by John Lafarge. Now he worked on that in the studio. 
Number 22 in 51 West 10th Street. Mm-hmm. Now, is that the same number? No, 14. Uh, yeah, so it's this whole area. That seems to have stuff going this on. This has got all this activity yeah. going mm-hmm. on. He finished it, went to the church and put it in place. But what he didn't realise, he'd used a new technique um, and made the paint heavier and it all fell down. <gasps> oh, no. So he had to go back and build a stronger chassis for it and um, put it back up. Uh, and then they talk about Oliver Lafarge, a great novelist and grandson of the painter, um, had spent a lot of time with his youth. One day, working across the street, he was told the painting had fallen again. So he dashed across the street and he found the painting had fallen indeed and that his grandfather had died that very instant. Oh. So this this painting has collapsed. The moment. Yeah. The, the grandfather has passed. Yeah. I like it. It ties in nicely. Uh so what they're thinking is that it's the ghostly visitations of Lafarge which is causing part of the hauntings in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they talk about different apartments and different locations and um, they're talking about how there's all these renovations of things that are going on yep. and they reckon Lafarge is looking for uh, this this. Um, lost studio or secret room that he used to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mistresses involved. There's all sorts of things. But I, I have to wonder with this whole Hans Holzer thing if they there's not some mishmashing of the house and death and other apartments that are around the place. Because you know how we were talking about Hans Holzer came in with a medium? Yeah. Well... Hans Holzer did come in with a medium and do a seance and reached out to the other side. But I don't think it was in the building that's a house of death. Mm. So is Hans Holzer the one that came in and helped Jan? Or is it someone different? Mm. I'm discombobulated. Mm. But this um, seance that took place Mm -hmm. was with a lot of artists in the area. Um, the, oh, there was a great story here. It was a warm night and Maxwell had gone to bed naked. Mm. This is one of the people that was living in one of the apartments. Pulling the covers over himself, suddenly awakened from the amount of light coming in through the skylight. He judged the time to be at one or two in the morning. He had the uncanny feeling of not being alone in the room. As his eyes got used to the darkness, he clearly distinguished the figure of a tall woman bending over his bed lifting and straightening his sheets several times over. Now, remember we talked about the servants' quarters? Yes. Yeah. Behind her, there was a man staring at a wooden filing cabinet at the foot of the couch. Then he opened a drawer, looked in it, and closed it again. Getting hold of himself, Maxwell noticed that the woman wore a light red dress of the kind worn in the last century. Red? Well, normally it's a white dress. Uh, and the man had on a white shirt and dark cravat of the same period. It never occurred to the illustrator that they were anything but people, probably, he thought, models in costume, working for one of the artists in the building. The woman then turned to her companion as if to say something, 
but did not, and walked off towards the dark room at the other end of the studio. The men then went back to the cabinet and leaned on it, head in hand. By now, Maxwell had regained his wits and thought the intruders must be burglars, although he could not figure how they'd entered the place since he had locked it from the inside before going to bed. Making a fist, he struck at the stranger, yelling, Put your hands up! His voice could be clearly um, heard clearly among the empty corridors, but his fist went through the man and into the filing cabinet. Nursing the injured wrist, he realised that his visitors had dissolved into thin air and that there was nobody in the darkened room with him. Uh, so this is where they think it was this Lafarge and his wife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once again, Lafarge is searching for things. He appeared also to some people in another apartment uh, where he uh, was looking for something in there as well. There was a few more stories, but I want to get over onto the seance because we are running out of time yet again. So they decided to do a seance to try and work out what was going on. Uh, They had uh, Leon Smith, um, a News columnist Dan D- Dalton Walker, Henry Belk, uh, noted playwright Bernays, Marguerite Hames, and two or three considered students of psychic phenomena. Uh, and apparently, unfortunately, Mrs. Belk also, also brought along her pet chihuahua, which proved somewhat of a problem. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I just had to, to chuck that in. Uh, so... The medium goes into some sort of trance, and uh, that's Mrs. Myers. Uh, at the threshold of passing into a trance, the medium suddenly said, Someone says very distinctly, Take another step, and I go out this window. The body of a woman, close fitting that and a plume, close fitting bodice and a thick skirt, lands right on face. I see a man, dark curly hair, hooked nose and an odd mean face, cleft in chin, light tan coat, lighter breeches, boots whipped in hand, cruel man. So they was at that stage they thought, Oh, this is Lafarge. Uh uh, and the woman, the person in the trance actually says, uh, if I start to move, restrain me. She says, I'm frightened to go into the trance because if I go into a trance, I feel I will try to jump out the window. Mm-hmm. So they, they whack her in the trance and um, she keeps going on there about uh, the next personality to manifest itself was a woman in great fear. They're in the courtyard. He is coming. They'll find me and whip me again. I'll die first. Let me go. I shouldn't talk so loud. Margaret, please don't let him come. See the child. My child. Barbara. Oh, the steps. I can't take it. Take Bobby. Raise her. I can't take it. He is coming. Let me go. I am free. It's a bit, bit, um, Full on, isn't it's it? Very, it's very days of our lives, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds like either a servant who got pregnant or yeah. someone Or who... it's his wife. Or it's his he's wife. A, he's abusive, I don't know. Yeah. But that also crosses over a little bit with the trauma of the the child that was murdered in there. Yes, the... and another abusive family. So I'm I'm very confused. And look, it, it does go on and there's other ones in there, but mm-hmm. um this seems to be this whole area. Mm. But then you go look at it, it's all very artsy people mm-hmm. and we do have very vivid imaginations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have to be switched on creatively. Uh, also a lot of drinking and alcohol 
and um, doing things that are a little bit out of the ordinary too. But it, what you're saying is very interesting at how you, we have these crossovers over the hundred and so years that this building uh, has been standing, that there are very great similarities be- between families and, and people yeah. uh, who lived in quite different times. And... Um I, I had the thought too: is is the place a portal? Are there uh, is there time slips happening there where yes. you glimpse into a time go past where uh, Mark Twain is sitting there going, "Oh, I've got problems I've got to deal with here," and he's just you know mm. saying it out loud, and mm. it's actually not a ghost; it's just mm. a time slip or a portal of some form mm-hmm. or other. Um, and then, why is this house so special? Because it's butted up on both sides yeah. to other houses. It, it's not a standalone thing. So what makes this particular space so special? And just to add a little bit more fuel to the fire, um, Jan and her husband were both complex individuals. So we're going back to the author now. Fred was a World War II combat veteran and suffered from PTSD. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, Which at times made him switch personalities very quickly. So we've got layers and layers of things happening. Yeah. Uh, the Bartels had no children, but their dogs were... Their children. Their children. And they do talk about a dog uh, being you know, killed by a ghost in the book. Uh-huh. It was an elderly dog. Mm. It wasn't a young dog that mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. So she's attributed trauma mm-hmm. to an external factor. Yeah. Which then, you know, how that all goes... Um, I don't know. This, it's, it's intriguing, it isn't is. it? It's intriguing. I, I wish there was more information. I don't um, think Hans Holzer went to this building. I really don't. Mm. I think he may have been a few houses down the street mm-hmm. and held his seance, but it's sort of been mashed together. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me. Because um, it makes a good story. Yeah. I can't imagine Hans Holzer would go into a building and say, you have 22 ghosts here and then walk away. Mm. He he had more of a sense of responsibility than mm. that. And that's that's why I got very confused with it, thinking, you know, it it it's diluted his... Um, the way that he would conduct himself. Yeah. I yeah. don't think it's him. Mm. So who was this person? That mm. has told her, or has she made that up because it makes a better story? Yeah. So, Renata, is it a true haunting? I don't know. I st- it it drew me in because of the stories, and then I kind of spat the whole thing out and went, "No, it's all crazy." But the more you go into it, and the more you start to weave in the the um, the similarities over the years, you go, "What's actually going on?" Yeah. I want to know more. Yeah. So, and my yeah. personal opinion, I think the book was written to make other people believe her stories because yeah. nobody would believe her. Yeah. Uh, and that that has then created... Um, and look, it's an old place. It's yeah, going to have some more, residual yeah, energies. It's going to have some... Legends, yeah, yeah, so I, I think it's been a catalyst. It's saying that there are still reporting reports of hoardings to this day. Do you think I can find any no, new ones? No, I can't either. Nothing. No, no. 
So I tell you what, it's a really interesting case, that is for sure. Yeah, it was. It was. I enjoyed this one. So thank you, everyone, for joining us on this week's episode of True Hauntings. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. If you have the opportunity to leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. And don't forget to join us on YouTube, where we have got some of our videos from our journeys, our travels. We've got ghost hunting tips. There is so much content on there that you will spend the rest of your life watching it. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget to give a thumbs up and subscribe. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and find little tidbits of of fun uh, on TikTok as well. And come join us on our Facebook, uh, Anne and Renata Frightfully Good family page. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with another one. In the meantime, stay spooky. And we'll see you on our favourite place in the whole wide world on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.